Hello, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the Gospel of Luke. And for those of you who were with us yesterday, you'll know a few things. Uh, one, that we are uh, now in a section of passages where Jesus has set his face toward Jerusalem. The time of the end is coming soon. So he's preparing his disciples for that. And also, um, you'll notice that my voice has not, I have not lost my voice, but Dave did actually get sick. And so he's not with us today. Taylor's filling in. So uh, thank you, Pastor Taylor, for joining us today. So we're in Luke 12, verses 49 through 59. And Taylor, if you'd read that for us, that would be wonderful. Yeah, let's read the word of the Lord together. I have come to set the world on fire, and I wish it were already burning. I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me, and I am under a heavy burden until it is accomplished. Do you think I have come to bring peace on the earth? No, I have come to divide people against each other. From now on, families will be split apart, three in favor of me and two against, or two in favor and three against. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother and daughter-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, when you see clouds beginning to form in the West, you say, here comes a shower. And you're right. When the wind, when the South wind blows, you say, today will be a scorcher. And it is. You fools, you know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times. Why can't you decide for yourselves what is right? When you are on the way to court with your accuser, try to settle the matter before you get there. Otherwise, your accuser may drag you before the judge and you and will hand you over to an officer who will throw you into prison. And if that happens, you won't be free again until you have paid the very last penny. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Taylor, it's obvious that you haven't been in Boston very long because you didn't say scorcha, scorcha. <laughs> I still can't say it right. Um, so again, this is a time for Jesus's departure, his exodus from this world, and his time is short. It's a time for these uh, kind of final warnings and decisions. And, uh, you know, I think about in this context, I think about like uh, young people who are dating uh, who end up, you know, moving to that phase of life where they're not so young anymore. And sooner or later, it's time to make some big decisions. You know, are we going to stay together? Are we going to start a family? And and if that's what you want, you know, hey, let's do this. Uh, otherwise, you know, we should go our separate ways. And so even in the context of loving one another, there are times when you have to have even painful conversations and make tough decisions mm -hmm. that run the risk of potentially dividing people, even people who otherwise love one another. And into this kind of context, Jesus says in verse 49, I've come to set the world on fire and wish it were already burning. And then he mentions this terrible baptism of suffering. So Jesus, you know, is, I, I think uh, fire can mean several different things here. I think it's referring to uh, the, the truth of the gospel spreading around the world, uh, which brings a decision point that we have to make. His desire is to set the world on fire with his truth. And this is going to cause divisions, even within families, as they have to decide what to do with the claims of Jesus. Um, but first, Jesus himself is going to have to undergo a terrible uh, baptism of suffering. Uh, you know, I know for many of us, we think of baptism as kind of, um, you know, time of celebration and warm embraces and baptism gifts and all these things. And, and that can make sense in our context. But the original image of that baptism is to go under the water and, in a sense, to die so that we can rise anew as we come out of the water. Romans 6.3 says that we are actually baptized into Jesus's uh, death. Uh, one of my uh, 
uh, one of my favorite authors is a woman named Flannery O'Connor, and she writes a lot of stories with uh, religious overtones. And um, one of them, one of her early stories is called The River, and it deals specifically with baptism. There's this young boy, Harry, he's about five years old, and he lives in the city, but he goes to you know spend some time with his uh, uh, relatives in the country. And he has this troubled, at age five, he already has this troubled life. And he hears the preacher say that the kingdom of Christ is found in the rivers of baptism. And when he hears this, he just so longs for this experience of the kingdom of Christ and this so this experience of being home that later on he throws himself into the river and ends up drowning. So this final image you see is of this young boy floating down the river, which is just such a haunting and terrible image in some ways. But in many ways, it was Flannery's uh, a, attempt to uh, shake us out of our cozy notions of what baptism is about, uh, that it really is this kind of moment of of life and death where we seek to find God. Now, if that image isn't haunting enough, Jesus says, you know, in verse 51, do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I have come to divide people against each other. Uh, you know, what is he talking about here? Why would Jesus want to bring division? Well, I mean, of course, seen in the context of everything, Jesus's desire is not to bring division, but peace at all costs is not peace at all. And I experienced some of this tension when I became a believer. My own father had um, walked away from the faith and and me coming to faith was something that produced a lot of tension in him and, and, and tension uh, between us. Um, and I worked, uh, I remember working with one man whose fiance, well, he had a, a heartfelt conversion. And for him, for uh, his fiance, this was enough to say that the relationship was was over. Uh, she didn't want to go down that road. And he just was distraught. He had to make this choice. You know, am I going to abandon my my newfound faith in order to preserve my relationship? Or, or what am I going to do? And he just felt caught between a rock and a hard place. But he knew that he couldn't turn away from Christ, even with this division. So he prayed desperately that God would somehow reach into the heart of his fiance. And it, as it turns out in this case, it doesn't always turn out this way. She experienced a heartfelt conversion as well. And their relationship, they immediately experienced how much stronger their relationship was after God had come into their lives. But really at this moment, there was no telling uh, whether this division would be one that would separate them uh, for the rest of their lives. Um, yeah. Of course, we can always choose to take Jesus a little bit less seriously in order to preserve <laughs> the peace. Um, but in the end, that's not a real uh, peace. Uh, and I think Jesus coming here is like, no, you know, any peace that disguises the truth is not a real peace. So let people uh, make their decisions. Uh, finally, Jesus talks about how good people are at reading uh, signs of the weather. And he says, you know, you're good at reading these signs and that's wonderful, but you somehow you know, you've been with me all this time. I think he's speaking to his disciples in many ways that you've been with me all this time and you can't read the signs. I've been telling you, I'm setting out towards Jerusalem. I'm going to face the cross. Uh, you have to pick up your cross and follow me. He's he's like, it's not even hints. He's like laying it out and you just can't seem to read the signs. Now, I, I think for us, you know, even though we don't live in such a moment as, as they do, um, um, but you know, we all will face death probably at a time not of our own choosing, a time when we are uh, not maybe even expecting it to come. And and Jesus warns us that, you know, in this moment of decision, there are accounts that we need to settle before it is too late. Accounts with one another, accounts with God. And I think, you know, one of application we can take from this is that to settle accounts now rather than facing God one day with this whole backlog of debts 
of unpaid love and unpaid forgiveness. Uh, hmm. Taylor, I'm wondering what you see in this passage. Yeah, well, this is a challenging passage. Um, I mean, there's just no two ways around it. Um, for those who, who've come from divided religious families, this is going to make sense. Uh, for those who don't, maybe this is harder to resonate with. I think there's there's something in here, though, that um, st stood out to me that I, I just didn't jump out to me in previous times I've read this, which is, it says, from now on, families will be split apart, three in favor of me and two against, or two in favor and three against. And in that, I just, I noticed something, which is to say that Jesus says, like, you might be in the minority, or you might be in the majority. And notice none of his teaching changes for how we're supposed to posture ourselves, whether we're in a position of power or in a position of weakness. And that just stood out to me. I, was, I, I don't know why I'd never noticed that before, but I thought, like, oh, that's like, that's that's profound. I, I, I've found myself as a person of faith in positions of the majority and the minority many different times. I, I grew up in a school system where I was one of like two or three Christians in a very, very post-Christian context. And it was really, really hard to be a Christian. And then I've also been in Christian contexts, you know, where, you know, everybody has faith and it's like, well, okay, you know, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't feel any of that, that burden of my faith in a social context. And so um, what's convicting for me is I'm thinking back and I'm thinking, you know, I, there were times when I acted a little differently when I was in the minority. I, I wasn't as bold about my faith. I wasn't as, as candid as forthright. I, you know, there were all sorts of ways, as you said, where I could try to take Jesus a little less seriously because it, it, it made it things a little easier socially it's just, just kind of stay quiet, if that makes sense. So I think it's, I think it's, it's interesting to me uh, and convicting that Jesus does not say, you know, if, if you're in an uncomfortable situation, here's your out, you know, <laughs> if you're in the majority and you have safety in numbers, you know, then you can do that. And that's just, it's, it's all the same, regardless of, of kind of who's around you. Uh, so I think that's, that's, that's definitely of note. Um, yeah. And I, I think you're, you're right. Uh, as you talk about, the, the reality that the gospel confronts us with a choice and that, you know, as, as counterintuitive as it is, because obviously we see throughout scripture that Jesus is all about unity and particularly unity in the church, uh, that that unity is not the ultimate goal. It's unity in Christ. But if we cannot have unity in Christ, then we should not be united with people and movements and things and ideas that would draw us away from Christ. So there is a time when division is appropriate, even if it's really painful. And uh, I want, we should always be careful about that because it's very easy for that to become self-serving and we need to be, need to be wise in those, in those areas. Um, the, the last thing I'll just say about this is, uh, and maybe this is because I've been in the parable so much for preaching prep, but uh, I really just think that there is an urgency in this story that I don't want us to miss. Jesus says, I have come to set the world on fire and I wish it were already burning. I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me and I am under a heavy burden until it is accomplished. And I, I don't know about you, but when I like, when I come across like challenging texts like this, like my kind of like inclination that I have to work against is just kind of like read really quickly, skim, and then kind of get into the more comforting passage that might be beyond it, if that makes sense, you know? And, but, I, but I, I think there's a sense of urgency here that I don't want us to lose. And I think it's helpful to sit with this uncomfortableness for a minute. And just to say, you know, as you said, you know, the, this fire of the gospel, it forces a confrontation. It forces a decision. And so when we read texts like this, at least I, when I read texts like this, I, I really have to push against the like, am I willing to face that confrontation? Am I willing to sit with what Jesus is actually asking of me, which could act, could in theory cost me 
my own family relationships. And there's hardly anything in this world I can think of that's more dear to me than that. And yet Jesus is saying, this is more important than even that. Uh, and that's a high, high uh, cost to pay. And so, hmm. um, yeah, I sit with that and I'm not going to try and solve that for us, but uh, just let the text say what it says and let Jesus be who he will be. You know, as you say that, I'm reminded of uh, previous conversations we've had in our our mutual admiration for Curb Your Enthusiasm and Larry David. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm particularly thinking of I mean, this idea of division and then the image of baptism that Jesus uses, the episode where there are these, uh, there's this Jewish community, you know, they, they're largely Jewish, and and there are some people who are kind of hanging out with Christians and many of them becoming Christians. And that's all fine and well and good. You can be Jewish and Christian, Jewish and Buddhist, Jewish and whatever. But it's the moment when they get invited to a baptism that the dividing lines get drawn. There's something about that baptism that really ends up mm -hmm. dividing them. And I think it's actually a, a pretty appropriate image for this context as well, that, that baptism mm -hmm. really is kind of this decision point. But for people who haven't been baptized, I really encourage them to you know, to think about that and maybe even, you know, talk to other people about why is it that you have not decided to be baptized yet? There, I think there really is um, mm. on, uh, on a human level and I think on a very deep spiritual and supernatural level, something that happens in baptism where you are no longer the same person. And, and again, I liken it sort of to marriage that when you go up that aisle and you come back down that aisle, you are different, a different person when you come back down that aisle, I don't know how to, de to define exactly what that difference is, but I'm just saying, I believe that you're a different person. I say, say the thing, same thing about baptism. I don't know how to define it, but I do think it is a moment of decision that changes who we are. Hmm. Uh, in any case, uh, Taylor, any final insights? And would you be willing to close us in prayer? No final insights, but I'd be happy to close us in prayer. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your great love for us and your willingness to speak truth to us, even when it's hard. But I ask that you would help us to have hearts willing to receive your truth, that we would be convicted and compelled out of your great love to love others, to love you, to seek your kingdom, and to be willing to leave behind the things of this world, which do not bring our flourishing and your glory. All this we pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today. And, and Pastor Taylor, thank you for filling in for Dave uh, today. And everyone, I wish you a day of genuine peace built upon the grace and truth of the Lord Jesus. Mm. Go in peace. Mm.